0: All right, hello, and welcome to the Coach's Corner, brought to you by the Endurance Lab, where you can join the coaches live as we recap the week and answer your questions from the forum. My name's Jason Flores, one of your Endurance Lab coaches, and I'm joined by coaches Taya Friedsted, Ian Murray there running around, Mitch Dangerman, and our nutritional therapist, Andrea Cullen. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Excellent, excellent. So just a reminder to all you viewers and listeners, we are live on several different platforms today. So it also gives you a chance to be part of the show by asking questions. So jump on live and be part of the show. But we'll get this all shared out. But we do have a great lineup of topics. Our titles go today. We're going to talk a little bit about season goals, back-to-back rides, and some fun training toys. And that's what Coach Ian there is uh, rounding up. So we're actually going to start with that. We're actually going to start with that as I get this shared out. Um, But we'll uh, we'll go around the room while Ian gets all organized. And all of us brought a little bit from our uh, training rooms. Uh, to talk about and, and um, maybe you guys could add your favorite training um, gizmo or toy in the chat as we get this all shared out to all of our friends online so uh, who wants to get started maybe uh um, oh i know <laughs> Andre had a fun one that's <laughs> not really getting used we'll start with the useless one how about that
1: <laughs> yeah these are the the finis arm fulcrums and they're meant to uh improve your stroke so that you have a better
2: oh, yeah i've seen those
1: pull and they're horrible. I found they didn't do anything. So these are an indestructible dog toy. Arm fulcrum, <laughs> that's the only thing she hasn't broken yet.
3: So Andrea, what are they called against for those who are not seeing us on video?
1: So the brand is a Finis and it's an arm fulcrum. Okay. I and mean, it's like a little figure eight and it's meant to help you get into position. But I found, maybe I'm already in position. I just didn't find it any use. Although the other, well, you can also
4: a... not be in position with it. I've played with them a little bit. And... Have you? Any
1: yeah.
4: good? Eh. I mean, it's easy to not be in position with them too. You can you can still collapse that elbow, collapse your elbow. Uh, so all it really does is the only thing good about it, it does keep people from bending their hand yeah. to not a straight line with their forearm, but it doesn't do anything about collapsing that elbow and and getting rid of that high pull.
1: So put them on, how do they work? So you're, in.
0: Oh wow.
1: Huh. Yeah, Interesting. it's like a broken your arm. So you need thing. two? Yes.
0: Okay, yeah, you see. do one for each hand. <laughs> there you go.
2: So Jason just wanted to see both of them. <laughs> I
0: like it. I like it.
1: I do, I do like the other fitness items. The Their paddles uh, I find very helpful. I haven't used the ticker, the timer, though, like the metronome. What, what yeah, I ones? hate that. I think that thing is stupid. Yeah. Um, But I'm assuming Ian has everything that I have. So I've just shown you the useless one. Like I have all the usual um, pull boys and paddles and the gym. In the gym, we, you know, the kettlebells, the free weights, the bench, the jump box, the uh, over bar bands, tiny bands, uh, rumble roller. It's kind of all accumulated over the years. You just keep adding.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's see, Uh, Mitch, you got one. Did you reach for one there?
2: Yeah. So I've, I've got the, uh, the stride running power meter here. So I, so I, for years ran with a foot pod because of one race, um, which was the Detroit free press, a half marathon. It goes underwater at one point. Oh. So you lose, lose GPS for a mile. So I always had a foot pod just so I would, I don't know. I don't think that mile is that important, <laughs> but, um, especially for non-pro. But then, uh, I think Ian got it first. Um, I think Ian spoke well of it. So I got the stride, uh, to start running with power. Um, it'd be great if Swift actually would incorporate that in some way, but um, it's I actually I think it's a great tool. Um, I've done a uh, running FTP test with it. Um, nice. I think it allows you um, in wind and elevation and everything to really try to keep a consistent power or pace um, called a normalized pace. Uh, Ian, what are your thoughts?
4: Yeah, for, <clears throat> for me, I, so there's a couple things with it. One, I found that the uh, foot pod is much more accurate than the GPS on the watch anyways. There's oh, a yeah. guy who did a study on it and he came back and showed that um, the stride pod uncalibrated is pretty much the most accurate thing out there in the market. Wow. And calibrated, it's it's dead on if you take it to a track. As long as you don't link it up with GPS or if you get on Zwift, don't calibrate it on Zwift because oh. what it's going to do is calibrate to your treadmill, which is wrong.
1: Oh,
4: uh, I see. Yeah, so it's one of those things. Use it uncalibrated or calibrated at a, at a track. But it's it's pretty good the the power side of it is it true power? No, it's not. It's right. it's algorithmic power based on the accelerometers. Uh, but more importantly is it's consistent. Right? That's exactly what I was going to say, consistent. So you're not measuring true power, so you can't necessarily equate it to your bike bike power, although it actually lines up fairly well. Um, for me at least, but the key thing with that is you can when you're running up and down hills with it mm-hmm. or if you're running on trails where there's lots of woods, mm-hmm. your your GPS pacing is going to be off. So you can use the pacing for the foot pod and maintain consistent power with that, with that uh, foot pod as well when you're using stride. And, and the other thing I found, when you're riding, running on different terrain, you can actually see how much more power you have to put out or how much more effort cool, you have like to put out to program. run at speed mm-hmm. on, on soft terrain. So trails and dirt and grass. Nice. So it just shows you the effort level you have to put out. where It wouldn't so- normally catch it if you just base it off of uh, pacing.
1: So practically, have you found that it's helped improve your training, rest recovery, performance, all of the outcomes that you're looking for?
4: So w- what I found for me is that it's been really good as far as uh, longer distance keeping my form and keeping mm-hmm. myself in check. And so it's it's definitely helped me for longer. For speed work, it, I mean, I look at the data later, but when I'm running a flat out 400, I ain't looking at my watch. Yeah. Uh, so. So, it, yeah, but for, for actual training itself, I think I'm getting a better uh, handle on like running TSS type type concept using the power, vice mm. trying to use running TSS through training peaks, um, which is based on pace, which terrain is too much of a, uh, too much, it dictates that too much or, or weather or heart rate, which we've talked about before. That's got its limitations as well.
1: Mm. Interesting.
0: So, so, Taya, you're going to stand up and have your um, Aerolax boots on? Is that what you got on there? Right <laughs> <on?
3: laughs> so, so, um, or how about maybe we continue on 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 the things that we use for training, and then we'll go into sure, recovery. Sure. Yeah. For sure. Okay. But I, you know, as a as a cyclist here, I uh, really the things that I used are the usual, right? It's it's the uh, I mean, the bike computer, yeah. the Garmin, and stuff like that. Nothing nothing fancy. Nothing. T-
0: nothing fancy except for the ten computers that make her Zwift com- like setup. <laughs> All right, Tra- training aids uh, um, for act for uh, actual. Um, what do you got, Ian? Not recovery. I have
4: one or two. Yeah,
0: um, that'll show.
4: <laughs> it's down into my bag of goodies. Um, like Santa so Claus over there. The first one I'm going to bring out is is this. It's an elastic band, and you know people go, "Oh, it's an elastic band. Big deal." No, it's actually great. So you, when you go when you have to travel for work or you have to travel somewhere okay. where you don't have access to a pool, you strap this bad boy across the ladder, throw in a pool buoy. Just nice. goes around your waist, and you have an endless pool. Oh, yeah. wow. Oh, that's <laughs> against you. So you have an endless pool. It's fantastic. I, lo- I I mean, I absolutely hate this stupid thing, but it works well when I have to travel a lot.
1: Um, What's, right, it co- What's its actual name, Ian, if people wanted to look it up?
2: Um, that's sh- you, you need an Amazon link with that, too.
4: Stretch cords. There you go. Hey, stretch cords. That's so- the brand. So, so basically, so,
3: holds you in place when you're swimming. You could do it in your bathtub, then.
4: <laughs> so what's actually what I found was really good. This it it is te- it does teach you to get away from having a pause in your swim stroke
3: uh, because
4: oh, if you have a pause and pull, back. you start bungeeing. Mm.
0: And so if you want to try
4: and keep consistent propulsion, like that. and getting that arms that that stroke rate turned over quicker. So you have, otherwise, I have before bounced backwards into the uh, <laughs> into the walk- into the ladder. So there is a longer oh, version which I actually recommend, but this works as well. Um, so ian's right.
0: wife puts that around his waist when they're at like um like theme parks to make sure he doesn't get lost right. back. that's true <laughs> that is true
4: <laughs> he keeps going for say. ice cream my, my roca swim shorts uh, um, which I, I love i have a pair of those as well that if is. you if huh. you are a suffer from adult onset swimming like mm-hmm. i do you tend to have poor body position um, mm-hmm. you know, I like to say it's just because I have no body so My, my hips sink. Uh, uh, it's true. It's true. But that's not the case. It's poor body position. So what this does actually, for me, this is great when I was, especially when I lived in uh, warm weather and I had nowhere, I could swim open water or if I could, I couldn't put a wetsuit on because the water was too warm. Mm. I could get in the pool and swim like this. And it basically simulates the wet wetsuit position for my body. Nice. So then when I had to race in Denmark in a wetsuit, even though I hadn't been swimming in a wetsuit, that slight kip up of my hips. I've been compensating for that for about two months by swimming in the pool with this. Plus it makes you faster in the water.
0: Nice.
4: It does, it, it actually shaves off a good three to five seconds of a hundred. Yeah. All right. Ta-da! All right, so this is a swimming snorkel. And these One, are- can you, can you put it on? Yes, I can put it on. <laughs> that so,
3: looks like the ones my kids oh, use so, so for yeah, so yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it's like a regular snorkel that you, would, <laughs> that, that you would use, but it goes right in between your eyes.
3: And yeah, it's it, vertical and yeah. It, it's straight
4: straight here in the center, which is yeah. great. So these things are are great, but sometimes they're not used properly. So the big thing with this one is when you're trying to work out kinks in your stroke, um, a lot of people struggle when they're breathing to one side or the other. Right. When you're able to do this, like I love doing this with pull sets mm. because then I don't have to focus on anything except the actual pull and getting that good high catch, and I can just breathe in and out. The other thing is you can work on your timing with this for your breathing without running the risk of waterboarding yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can really work on the timing or or you can screw your timing up really, really bad. Um, and then lastly, I like to use these on kick sets so I can keep a good position because what I found for us, again, who are not, who didn't grow up swimming, when you use a kickboard, you tend to tilt your body up a little bit mm-hmm. uh, and your hips drop and so you get out of a good position. Whereas if I use my snorkel, I can hold a good, you know, position and then... And kick away, and, and not uh, have a problem with that. I, th- there is there is something you need to learn with this. You either need nose clips, or you need to learn how to slowly breathe out your nose to not suck in water mm. when you when you breathe in. I don't use a nose clip; it's not necessary. But you know, if you don't have experience diving or practicing doing it, you're probably going <gasps> to suck in some yeah. water in your nose first. Mike, um, the other like part is you can do turns with, with these. People wow. say you can't. Can. You just have to slowly get a little air bubble in as you come out, and then yeah. you, poof, one big push out. Uh, yeah. So th- don't let that, don't let that keep you from doing flip turns with this. If that's what you're more comfortable with. So
3: yeah. All right. Yeah. My kids always complain about the flip turn, but they learned how to do it. Yeah. It's, it's great. All right. So these are, these are swim
4: paddles, right? But they're a little smaller. If you, if you notice, I, I have tiny hands. They're not just because they have tiny <laughs> hands, but they are. Therefore, basically. Just the mm. fingertips, right? Mm. What do I use these for? Because I'm not getting as much resistance with these as I would a big paddle, but it does really help me if I come in and I skull improperly or I, I enter the water incorrectly. And in what brand and then, are those? Yeah. yeah, And and I also don't torque on my shoulders quite as bad. Yep. Oh, what brand? brand are they? Um, these are thinnest as well. Oh, is it called
1: yeah. a, Like a finger paddle, is that what it's called? Sure. What is it? Half paddle?
4: Yeah. I think they're Uh-oh. called finger paddles or small. That yeah, I mean good. they're. Yeah, I I bought. I've, I've had these for like I don't know eight years. Awesome, they hold up. Um, let's see. What you must have a get? giant we,
1: swim bag. You have a
4: running. You have anything?
0: Uh, running. Uh.
4: Um. So for running, wise, I don't do a whole lot of the gizmos because you literally throw yeah. on shoes. I have my stride pod. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's really the only gizmo I use in my in my watch. Um, I, there's not a whole lot in there to you can do for running gizmos that that aren't just absolutely ridiculous um you have that sock i do, I do have a running gizmo hold yeah. on yeah
2: <laughs> I, I mean i've got comp- i've got compression socks and socks. what is
4: there. this you run at that
3: aqua jogging
2: oh this aqua jogging. jogging
0: that's cool <laughs> when you're hurt it you <laughs> looks like a fly,
3: baby seat cool. you know like one of those that you put in the car yeah
0: it's yeah. been a long right, time since so. you had babies
4: <laughs> and i could run in the water do this just keeps you it's afloat it's a floaty, yeah, hmm. uh, for the aqua jogging. So I have that. Um,
1: I find yeah. them brilliant. I tore my ligaments uh, mm-hmm. January two years ago, and it was a confident thing to get into the pool and aqua jog because you feel like an idiot. But once you start doing it it, it, it had me, with no running, straight back into almost race pace when I got back. That and the oh. cross trainer. Oh, and, it is
4: so boring. I highly recommend getting yeah. some waterproof headphones and... Yeah, and doing that.
1: That's, um, we do 50-meter pools, so there's always a load of really good athletes to watch swimming, which is kind of cool.
4: That's kind of creepy. See, if I was doing that staring at some people swimming, that'd be creepy. <laughs> see, Women, cross-gender. You, you, you,
2: you, you might make the strange denizens of the uh, yeah, trail right. on slow twitch.
4: Yeah. <laughs> so a couple other ones <laughs> I want to talk about real quick is that I don't have them, and there's a reason I don't have them. Um, I think they're stupid, <laughs> um, or at least silly at this point. One, on is bash, the, honesty. one is the tire pressure gauge that will uh, tell your computer what your tire pressure is. Oh, your
0: computer! Wow. Yeah.
4: Yeah, it 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 talks Bluetooth or Ant Plus to to your your computer, and you can get your your um, live tire pressure as you ride. Now, <laughs> for for yeah, exactly. Maybe maybe if you're doing downhill. Yeah. Um. Or or maybe some kind of gravel ride, or if you're out like gonna be in moab or something and doing it something all by yourself i don't know I, I can't find a good reason for it other than you know you you're really 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 afraid you're going to be down two psi
0: yeah
1: uh,
4: how much
0: uh, are
1: they are they expensive
0: oh i'm PSI. sure i'm sure they're so expensive for cars i can't imagine a smaller unit um having to put it on your yeah. bike that's a tps sensor for a car is a couple hundred dollars each each
4: corner and so there's one other one, um, it's made by Aeropod and they, it's one that helps give you your co- your drag coefficient. Mm. So Aeropod, if you don't know, is one is like a handlebar mounted, uh, power power mm-hmm. meter that is based off of wind resistance and accelerometer and angle for your bike and things like that. I guess it works fine, but then yeah. the, this one has a drag coefficient measure as if I'm going to change that in the middle of my ride. Just in case, um and in, 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 so if you are going to be working, and you don't and you want to work on your aero position and you can't go to a wind tunnel or a track, um, I guess it's good, but for the most part, for the average person, for most of us out there, get yourself a good bike fit,
0: yeah, yeah,
4: and don't wear baggy clothes and you're pretty much gonna be good to go and don't have just random crap hanging off your bike. so I, I do laugh because i I'll see people you know, who want to really work on their arrow position and then they have, like, a gypsy wagon on their bike.
1: <laughs> well, or 10 a- kilos overweight.
4: <laughs> yeah, well, that too. It's, it um, reminds me of that video. Is it, like, an arrow position? You'd be like, like this? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. One of those. So th- there's a, there is an actual um, reason for that tool, but for the average athlete, they don't need that tool. So I don't recommend spending 200 bucks on or 300 bucks, whatever it is, on that kind of thing. All right. two hundred per tire by Cork.
0: Wow, two hundred tire. Yeah. but it is by a reputable reputable group, I guess, by Cork. All right, let's slide on over to recovery. What have we got as a uh, recovery? I've got one uh, simple lacrosse ball, one of my favorites. Um, use it all the time. We have one in each car. <laughs> we have one in each room. So uh, Rylan loves to throw them around too. So, but it's a it's a fun fun thing that you could have kind of everywhere. So that's uh, my favorite uh, tool here at the house. And what
3: else are That's a good one because it's very targeted. So mm-hmm. if you have this one area, let's say I used to use that when I had shoulder issues. So for my mm-hmm. shoulder blades, I would lay down on top of the ball yep. and and have that, or even against mm-hmm. the wall, you could do it. Yeah. Um, but that, yeah. So it's, it's essentially it's size of a tennis ball, I think. Yeah, right. It's and it's harder. super hard. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I have this a softball, a tennis ball, a wine bottle. Wine bottles good for hamstrings. Wine mm. bottles. Wine bottles. <laughs> so <in> After,
2: for strength. <laughs> you said plural, too. I mean, so there's a whole stack of wine bottles. You gotta have different tels.
0: sizes. You gotta have to different sizes. You can't just have one size. All right, what else we got?
3: So I have it here. Um, oh, this nice. is a foam roller.
0: Yep.
3: And this is the one that has the trigger points, what they call the trigger points, which is raised, essentially raised uh, areas, uh, so that you can get more pressure as you do the foam rolling. At first, if you're new to foam rolling, this hurts a lot. Uh, I mean, this hurts no matter what, but I guess you get used to it uh, over time. But it's fairly small because then I can use it in in different parts of the body. I would like to have a longer one um, because this one is hard to use on the back. But I have over time, and I'll ask you guys what your take is, I have stopped foam rolling. Mm. I used to foam roll quite a bit. And when I had a lot of aches and pains from, believe it or not, yoga. Uh, somehow I used to pull my, my, my tendons and muscles and by going too much into the poses. But, and, and also when I was overtraining, right, meaning I was just doing too much um, and, and my legs were painful, I used to do the foam rolling. But I find that maybe the foam rolling is making injuring my muscles further. Um, so if you have a very sore muscle, let's say yeah. you know the ones that you can't even walk without pain, that to me indicates that that muscle is really really sore. You have a lot of uh, micro tears in your muscle. Would foam rolling make that worse? Yeah. because you're further injuring that muscle. So I'm, yeah. I would say be very careful with foam rollers.
1: I think you- I would agree with that yeah. and a hard massage as well. It, it's it's like going deeper into a wound. It makes more sense to me to work on the other tissue to improve circulation and clearance without overly going into the bit that's really sore.
0: I think I see a tiger tail down there at Ian's house. It is.
1: So, oh, no, he pulled out something else.
0: <laughs> He's like a magician. This is
4: going along the line of Trigger Point. This is also a Trigger Point, but it's a quad roller. which is really good for the, the nice. IT band. But this is a little torture machine.
0: Yeah. If
4: you can't tell by looking at it, it's actually wooden, narrow at the end and it oh. comes up to almost like a point in the middle, Ouch. right? So you can just get on, you lie down on this and roll back and forth on made. this little point on your IT band and oh. it is enough to make you cry. Uh, so do this when you're healthy
0: and not painful. That's that's the takeaway yeah. here. If you have right. pain. Well, so the yeah.
4: only time I use this is if I have a lot of volume, especially in running, yeah. and I feel my IT band really tightening up. Yeah. And so I'll generally do just a little bit on this to kind of work out some of the knots in there. Makes sense. Um and then I get into something I know Tay is going to cover. That's where I spend most of my recovery time. Yes.
3: So before we go there, uh, when we're talking about further injuring the muscles, when we're trying to recover and we're doing self massage with foam yeah. rollers and other toys, you got to understand that um, stretching is also could also be dangerous. Yes. Mm-hmm. So again, if you have a very sore muscle and you have the tears from from working it too hard, let it rest. Um, until that pain acute pain goes away because if you, again, stretching it, you're further stressing that muscle. Um, but yeah. Oh, we're going to go into the boots. Yes. Yeah. So, um, compression boots, if you think, if you, if you have done research on recovery, believe it or not, compression boots is probably the number one recovery tool out there that is actually efficient that will help you. Why is that? It's because the compression mimics your body's natural way of recovering and healing, meaning it reverses the flow of blood, right, and oxygen back to your core and then fresh, again, back to your muscles. So the legs, you put the boots on and that's what the boots do As they compress, they get that blood flow up and then back down because it, it, it serves us, think about, think about your body. You have the heart which is um pumping blood to your body, right? But you don't have another heart anywhere in your body. So you work your legs. I hope not. You hope you're le- <laughs> like a horror movie. You work your legs and uh that's actually the function of your calves, if you didn't know. Mm-hmm. Your calf muscles function as a mean like a little compression, manual compression muscle, just like the heart, as you walk it pumps blood back in. That's why, you know, Having somebody stand for hours and hours is a form of torture because you're having the blood pool in the legs. So the the and that's also why simply just sitting there to recover isn't a great idea. Walking might be good um, to have again that blood flow. So that's what the compression boots do, and I'm a big fan of it. And then and Me I'm too. probably in them all the time, right? You, yep. That and makes sense.
1: A- so move the lymph, lymphatic system as well, because mm-hmm. it's the valves in our legs that prevent. You have to move to push the blood to get it through each valve and get up and back. And then the lymphatic system isn't even driven by the heart; it's driven by <coughs> movement. Right. Um, yeah. So wow, Yeah, Linda. Linda awesome.
4: on uh, Facebook says she likes her balance board. Yeah, so she that in a
3: disc. I like that. Those, are, Those cool. are good
4: too. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So the. I will, uh, can I get into brands for the, should we get into brands of the, the, the boots? I just want to mention that. So the, the, the number one famous brand out there is Norma tech. Um, and it's, if you have ever looked into it, it's quite costly.
2: Yeah, it is. I'm just looking right here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just shopping.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but I use another brand it's called air relax and it is a fraction of the price and I've used Norma tech before. Um, and it's the same thing. So there you go. Here's an idea yeah. for you if you're looking to. And I have, I have boots. the Air
0: Relax boots too. Yeah, for not, and not Love just it. recently. Like I know both of you guys have had it for a long time, and you've worked. Oh with yeah, it. yeah so.
3: Daily, almost daily use for a long time.
0: Oh, yeah. very nice, very wow. nice. I think mm. I, I think it does work to um, do exactly what you would need to get blood back. I mean, obviously we have a pressure system that pushes blood out to the body. Um, but our body naturally brings blood back in a natural way with our muscles. So in in order to get it back, I mean, you could put your legs up on a wall, you can do all these other things. But this is a pneumatic pressure that would mimic the movement of you know the body is where it's at. It makes
4: sense. Science, science is behind
0: it.
3: Mm. And you might fall asleep when
4: you're doing it. That's what I hear. <laughs>
3: That's what I hear.
4: Unless you bring it up to level three on the uh, compression. <laughs>
3: yeah, or the targeted one. You can use targeted. So let's say you want just the thighs. Yeah.
0: All right. All right. Very nice. Very nice. Anything, any quick ads
4: before we uh, switch gears here? Yeah, real quick. So there's also the electronic stimulation type therapy recovery. This is for after recovery. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So it's also good for injury, but you have to have someone show you what you need to do for injury for recovery, but you can't use them for just regular. And so I have my little um, machine here that I like to shock myself with. Um, Why
2: why does that not surprise
4: me? (laughs) And it has electrodes that you can hook, you know, to your body parts, your shoulders, your legs, your knees, whatever. But it also comes with these cool little shoes. Yeah. Now, they just look like cheap, crappy flip-flops, and they're not comfortable to walk around in. But they have little diodes in them that, that will send electric uh, pulses through.
0: Like it.
4: And so what's interesting is when I was ru- when I was running a lot, I would do this, and it would kind of help. It's like a foot massage. But this And this is my caveat when you use one of these electric uh, stimulators. Be careful with your power level that you put it on. Um, and, and when I was wearing these boots, I was actually trying to walk around for a minute cause I had to go grab something and it kicked in and it not, it took my calf and just went Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it was like, it was worse. It was like the lower part of the calf. So like my Achilles and up through the calf, oh. they were just like <sighs> locked up. So it took a little, it took a second. I think I fell over. Interesting. Um, Interesting. Yeah, so so
3: I've, so- I've used the one that had, yeah, the electrodes that you put in your, you you. It's, it looks like you're in a hospital right because you have the, the
1: yeah. things
3: um, glued to your to your muscles and I think the theory behind that I think the uh, the theory behind it is you the ele- the what is it called the um, electric waves uh, they they're supposed to develop more capillaries mm-hmm. and with that you get better blood flow to the area but uh, I I don't know I I have used a little bit of it um, I found it that, that For back pain, that was more helpful than for recovery.
4: Yeah, and and I found like when I have some knee pain, for me, it just stimulates a little blood flow. Mm -hmm. Um, And if I'm really bored, it's also fun to watch my quad just like fire.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think there's lots of sort of different electrical or pulse waves for different sort of things. Like... That sounds more specific or like you, you would use TENS or electrical stimulation for I- injury. And I suppose knowing when, because sometimes you don't want to increase circulation mm-hmm. if there's a lot of edema or swelling. Uh, yeah. I use um, wave the pulsed wave therapy in the clinic with the PEMF. That works a different way where it's increasing energy into the mitochondria, which is then elevating the mitochondria's ability to do whatever it needs to do. And then there's, so that's PEMF. And then there's another form of of energy um, treatment like the biomass, which is far infrared on amethyst, which is something that would be helpful. Far infrared gets into the cells differently. So that's sort of like a whole body re-energizing. So then when you're giving the body what it needs, the body then does what it, you know, uses its own innate intelligence to then do the healing or that it needs to do. But these are very interesting therapies I suppose acupuncture, in a way, is trying to stimulate those natural um, en- energy um, currents. And why we need them more these days is that we live in a world where we're getting bombarded by other wave frequencies through Wi-Fi and 5G, 4G, whatever, everyone's going in microwaves and all of this. And- Andrea's
4: extra training tool. She has an aluminum foil hat that she wears.
1: <laughs> <laughs> With of whole- glasses. <laughs>
4: Love it. Love it. All right.
0: So that's a great roundup. But if you have a training gizmo that you didn't hear or see today, I can't imagine <laughs> with what Ian has at his house. Drop it in the comments. We'd love to hear it. We'll put a couple links to the, the funner ones so you can get a chance if you're just listening in, you'll get a chance to see some of those. Um, we're going to switch gears a little bit. Um, being February here in time is when we're recording this podcast. It's the time when a lot of riders are trying to sort out their season. Uh, maybe put down a season goal or kind of an idea of what they wanted to do moving forward Um, and so what we're hoping to talk about was how to kind of stratify your year or some sort of annual training plan and kind of how to make sure that you're building for the right different things not every ride and every race and every weekend sunday crusher is going to be your a race um, every week you cannot race yourself through the season or we at least we don't recommend it so um, we'll talk a little bit about that and um, kind of how many events we should have and so forth. So uh, we can jump straight into there. What do we got? So so, so that- I'd, say,
2: I'd say you said something really important there. You, you said, what are your goals? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the first thing you have to do is really step back and say, you know, what is my goal this year? Cause I think that's going to really kind of define everything that you're looking to do. Right. I mean, and you can have more than one goal, but, you need to actually sit back and think. What do you want to do this year?
0: Right, and I think even within the goals, um, we should think about it um, separated, maybe into two little buckets. And I like to go with uh, through this with my athletes. Uh, you know, what's your goal um, outcome? Outcome driven goal. Like, do I want to place this? Do I want to? that sort of thing. And then what's your process goal? What's what are you going to change in your training, your discipline, or your the process of getting to where you want to to make it to this outcome goal, and how you can meet those two and adjust those as we go. And you could even have these for each event and try to put that into yourself mentally so that you're making goals because no, there's only one winner of every race. We can't all be Ian Murray's. So there's only, so far we can go. So you have to have some other outcome goal. And then, and at some point, and then your process goal is something that you work with your coach. Something that you want to do better. Make small steps to reach bigger goals.
3: Yeah, because then also with that, with the process goals, you know that you are moving forward. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really what uh, it's all about. You're you're better today than you were yesterday, right? So you're moving forward. You're improving something. You learned something in the process. Absolutely. So when you think about, it, I think one of the things that came up in the in the uh, forum this week was uh, the having an annual training plan. And this is so then once you have your goals, you might think, OK, how do I plan my year so that I am in top form for when that big event comes or if I have two big events? And if you are one of those athletes who have big events that you are going to call your A events, the recommendation is that you have one, two of those, because if you have too many of those, it's going to be tricky to be at your top form training wise yep. for more than two events. Um, so typically they fall into the outdoor season. They might not, maybe you do road in the summer and cyclocross in the fall and you have a events that way. But I think, you know, having those A events and then building everything around it and then having the ramp up as you get to that event, et cetera, Um, and then the other events, you know, you might do some Bs and Cs and the Bs, the, the Bs might be your practice ones. So let's say that you're going to try crits for the first time this year and you have an A event in July, say, then you're going to do some maybe training crits, uh, or crits that you're going to sign up for that are not as important to you. You just go in to get that skill, to get, um, knowledge of that of that type of race and, right. uh, and train that way. So having your A, your Bs and your Cs, and then as you plan your year, um, you would of course have to, to peak, what we call peak, which is getting into peak form. And peak form is different than tapering. That means you are at your best for the season, but your legs are not tired. They're fresh enough so that you can go and crush it. Um, then for the B events, you don't do the same, you can do a recovery week before your B events. So let's say you sprinkle those through in your calendar, make sure that the week before that B event is a recovery week. And then for C events, the least important ones, um, let's say you have, then just, yeah, just train through it. Exactly. Yeah. Just be careful though. If you decide that it's a super hard two hour race in Zwift and then your legs are shot the next day. You need you yeah. need some recovery. So Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. but I'll qualify
4: this. If you if you have a C event and you're training through it and you beat people in there and it was not their C event and they actually tapered or recovered for it, that means you own them. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way it works. If like you crush it. somebody on a C race that you didn't that you trained through, then you own them. I like it. I like it. I,
0: like I have it. a
1: question to the coaches on yeah. you have your type A personality and they have their A race but what are you advising them on regarding the B and C races mentally more than anything or intensity wise? All the races are A's for the A personality.
3: <laughs> yeah. It's, it, no,
4: it's it, very it, challenging. That's true. And so I recommend for A people and people like myself, we don't do C races Yeah. or B races. I'm not, so I, I take that back. I, do, I will do a C race, like if it's a 5K or maybe a 10K that I'll train through, but I'll use it as a training event. And so the last time I did a 10K as a C race, I use it as part of a long run. So I ran to the race four miles. I did the race and then I jogged back and forth with people to help them finish up. And then I ran home. So it was, you know, like a 16 mile day. Um, but with 10 K hard and the rest of the running was really easy. So I use that as kind of a, a a longer, longer run with a little bit of intensity in it. Um, if you want to do c races like for a triathlete i recommend keeping it at sprint distance if you're a long course athlete oh. keep that sprint and use it for practicing your transitions fast and for getting some of that fast twitch muscle work going to so just bring a little bit of intensity but then at the end of that c race i i for my athletes generally throw in an hour or 90 minutes sometimes 2 hours of another of easy ride yeah to just add some endurance to it so you have to throw that I, I don't recommend for most of them a b race unless i'm using that as a practice for their main event right so for i know for like folks like garen i like to do it i love to run a half six to eight weeks before running a full mm. Mm. you know and and i'll and i'll blow it out but i build that into the schedule to blow it out and then i have recovery the next week
1: so you'll manage it off of your tss i'm just watching so many athletes at the moment and they seem to be racing all of the all time. time and i don't i don't know if they're using something to c- counter quantify the, the training stress that's happening and you kind of think at the back oh. of your mind are they just going to blow by the time it comes to a race yeah it, 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 de-
4: it depends so the way i catch this is if you're um if you want to race a lot right if you're doing a series um and i know cyclocross has this crits have this some road racing and in for triathlon there's a lot of places that have series if you want to participate in a series where you're working on the points. Then it's about managing load. You still pick the series championship or whatever is your A race, but it's about managing your load in through it. So if you're racing every other week because that's what the series is, then it's train up, a slight recovery, like a couple days easy before you race. You race, an easy day, and then you go back at it. But you have to have that that load built up over time. Uh And that's where I think a lot of people have the problem is they don't do any of that pre-race load building. Right. They just do base-type building, and then, building the and then right. go into racing, and then yeah. they try to race themselves into form. And it doesn't work like that. Yeah. Um, so that, so trying to why, do
2: something like that your first season is probably not a good idea. Yeah. Right.
4: Well, so if you watch the, the uh, WTS, the World Triathlon Series guys mm-hmm. and ladies, if you watch their first part of the year, the people who win the first part of the year – Generally aren't in the mix later on. Later on in the year, okay? that makes sense. Except for like, look, you're gonna have the the Moras and the Jorgensens and, and and the people like that 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 they're there all year round. They're in the mix because they're just,
1: so I bad. mean, they're just
4: that, that yeah, much I better did. than everybody else. Um, the Brownleys type thing. But even the Brownleys, if you look at them, they tend to do really well. They get hurt, they come back and smoke it. Um, that's that's their MO usually. Uh, but it it is about managing that load throughout your year. Yeah we're still peaking for that key race, making sure you're on top form for the key race that counts. And then having one or two that you know are like your, maybe it's Olympic trials qualifier, maybe it's your, the test event for the Olympics, you know, for that level, I'm talking for that level. But for us, it's about scoring enough points throughout the year to get into the, the big dance and do that championship race or however you wanna call it. So you have yeah. to manage that.
3: So you have, so translating a little bit, um, for those of you not as familiar with the uh, terminology, This means you have been doing intensity type workouts before you get to, let's say that series that you're gonna race in, right? Um, You have the crits. The good thing about these series, typically the the races are short. They're 45 minutes long, et cetera. So you you can't afford to do them. Um, and, And in terms of training throughout the year, also to be ready for those, we talk about ramping up and peaking for your A event, et cetera, but then, if you're listening to this podcast for the first time go back to our episode 58 when we talk about base training and why base training shouldn't be slow riding for three months out of the year for amateur cyclists for us who have limited hours uh, to train and and why that is so uh, consider the, that as well as you uh, plan for your season
1: yeah mental skills as well you know we have some athletes and if it's not a flat-out race, it's not a win, it's a failure, and then it's a failure in their minds. And and there, there's so much mental energy going into the practice races or the training races, and yeah. I think that can be linked with bur- burnout as well because you're just using so much of up here when every race isn't a judgment on your identity as a person, yeah. <laughs> especially it's- if there's a main race at the end, which is what right. actually matters. Right.
4: And one of the ways to counter that is don't use your cool guy stuff on those less important races you know don't work don't ride your race wheels yeah um you know maybe ride the road bike instead of the tri bike um Mm. you know things that things like that that you can then mentally say well i'm not gonna win this if if i didn't win it was i mean i didn't have my race wheels on yeah so yeah yeah, i got that so so, so, yeah one last thing is if you're going to do a sprint try you can wear a speedo ride a conch cruiser and then and an arrow helmet That's and better. that will make it so you're not even in the mix
0: <laughs> Yeah,
4: but then you can really practice that run and make sure you get a good run in yeah so
0: for indoor trainers for indoor cyclists for, on rrn for like if you're trying to get uh an athlete through a c or a b race a lot of times you could throw a workout in right before like ian does like um running wise you do a workout before mm-hmm. um try doing an sst workout before a race uh you definitely will That's have a... <laughs> exactly the straight suffer you know nine days of 0.9%, 0.9 intensity, and then try to do anything after that, Um, you know, and then uh, one more thing to mention. Mm, I might come back to it, but yeah, definitely. Oh, and then outdoor events Um, and people are very, they feel like every crit they've got to like taper for, and you just don't get the skills that you need to get faster, get fast. You get better at showing up to the line and making it, but you don't get faster at trying to get where you want to be. And I think that's what's what's important for these, um, these races that are in series and that sort of thing. So, Um, maybe adding something else to that and kind of stratifying it's so difficult our crit series are so long and they're so frequent here and so uh, a lot of times I'm telling writers to not race and because when they do get when they do get to the line it's just just red mist and so we go and we watch it and we talk it through and we watch other writers race it and they learn more that way because I can talk them and show them what their colleagues are doing and who to watch out for it and when they get back into it they understand kind of what they're looking for so Tactics and tips yeah. are faster in a lot of these races. So,
4: oh, and a lot so, of those, know the series, a lot of those, it's maybe 10 races, but only seven count. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> but everyone wants to race all 10 just in case they need to drop one. <laughs> right. Is this something that we can help riders with? Yeah. Tia, is this something? Well, a coach <laughs> is
1: invaluable, though, because with a coach, you can twist the goals of the race into not having the outcome. Yeah. So you could be setting, you know, me, I have to achieve something, and I just want to please my coach. So then... <laughs> you're helping your athlete I think coaches are yeah so if
3: you have somebody if you have somebody helping you through it then you're accountable now you're accountable not only for showing up but also for taking it back and following the script right and if you're not then why are you paying a coach and then it starts to it's in your pocket too like well why am I wasting this money if I'm not following what the coach is saying right but yeah for for sure um this is when it can be very helpful because it takes the it takes the guessing out of out of uh planning and, um, and one other thing to keep in mind is not just for races, right? it's also for big events. We have many athletes who are not racers but who have big right. plans for the summer. They're going to go to Italy to ride those amazing yeah. roads five days in a row right? and do the climbing that they've never done before. Um, and so getting ready for those as well, that's also part of the planning.
0: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if you are interested in that, definitely check out endurancelab.fit. Um, all of us are um, available to help you out with that, and then we've got some things in the pipeline that are coming through that should allow you to uh, meet your needs as far as planning or if it's just consultation, a lot of people like to be self coach we've got all different levels so definitely reach out to us for that. Um, before we jump off is there anything else you want to add about planning goals um, anything.
3: I think we covered, no? I think yeah, just the. Uh... Make sure that your goals are not contradictory. Yeah. Uh, so make sure that you're not you don't want to train for crits and time trials at the same time for the same you know yeah. season. I think that's <laughs> important. It. As an I, A event, like, as an A event, you can yeah. you can go out and try whatever you want. But yeah, I mean
2: I think that's an important point. I mean you you can't do everything, yes. right? I mean I mean I have like running goals and I have cycling goals. goals of, Mitch? Yeah, there aren't any <laughs> swim goals this year. That's a discussion in the house right now. Um, <laughs> but uh but i mean they're they're kind of contradictory right yeah. so you you, you got to pick and choose it doesn't mean you can't run when you're biking but you're probably not going to do your best marathon if you're also trying to do your best uh time mm-hmm. trial
0: yeah, uh, yeah so it's tough and, and that's i mean at all at those guys at like Ian Andrea Garen all those guys that I try to put three three events together so i mean that's it's hard it's really that, hard absolutely challenging Excellent. All right. So I want to thank everybody. I want to thank the coaches today for joining in and you, the listener, for joining in today with the Coach's Corner. If it's your first time listening, I'd like and would like to hear more content from the Endurance Lab, head over to your favorite podcast app and search for the Endurance Lab and head over to YouTube and search the same and don't forget to click subscribe. For more information on when our next lab is or more information on what we talked about today about planning your year out for success, head over to endurancelab.fit where you can learn and you can join us to train smart and get results. We'll see everybody next week, and thank you for joining in.